0: Kia ora, I'm Erica Wilkinson, New Zealand's Acting Threat and Species Ambassador, and this is the Doc Sounds of Science podcast. Every episode, we talk about work being done behind the scenes by Doc's technical experts, scientists, rangers, and the experts in between. Kia ora, ko Erica Wilkinson tene, pikonai i purangi tene, e pa ana kinga Sounds of Science. Today we're talking to Hannah Harris, who is a biodiversity ranger in the beautiful Northland region. Kia ora Hana.
1: Kia ora, uh, ko Hana Harris, tuku ingoa, here ka mahi ki te papa fai, uh, ki te rohe o te pewharangi, ko tukuturanga hea kaitiaki kauri. So, Kia ora, yeah, I'm Hannah. I'm a biodiversity ranger, um, mainly work in kauri protection up here in the beautiful Bay of Islands district.
0: Awesome. Hannah is used to explaining kauri back to our international tourists, to schoolchildren, and to members of her local community. And now it's our turn. Hana is passionate about protecting the species for future generations and is going to get us excited about this mahi too. So welcome, Hannah. Sweet. Thank you for having me. So tell us about what you do at DOC.
1: Uh, so I've been with DOC for the past three and a half years. Uh, I started as a summer ranger. And eventually, you know, kind of hang around, hung around and um, I then got a job as the Coda Protection Ranger uh, up here and basically did everything from community engagement uh, through to soil sampling. And uh, most recently, I've just um, hopped over to a biodiversity job.
0: Amazing. And, and tell me about where you're based. It sounds like it's the most beautiful place in the world.
1: Yep, I have to agree. Um, so I'm based up here in the Bay of Islands, and so it's the eastern side of Northland. Um, and basically, it stretches from Topal Bay down through to Kawakawa. We have, obviously, our beautiful marine environment, and then over to the west a bit we have the amazing Pukete and Omahuta Forest, which is roughly 21,000 hectares um, of indigenous forest, and, uh, yeah, full of Cody.
0: Ah. Uh. Sounds like paradise. So so you say that you um, came over summer to a full-time role. And I, how long have you been with Doc?
1: Uh, three and a half years. So, yeah, I started as a summer ranger in the summer of 2018, 2019. Um, and, yeah, just basically got to work out over in the islands and a bit on tracks. And I looked after a campground uh, in Pukati Forest, which was awesome, pre-COVID.
0: So there was a lot of people around. Awesome. And what does a big day entail for you now? Uh, I would say any big day is the day out in the bush.
1: Uh, so we spend a bit of time, uh, especially in Pocatino Mahuta, doing quite a, a lot of work um, around Cody. Uh, we're jumping into pig monitoring at the moment. So just trying to get an idea of how many pigs are in the forest. Uh, but basically anywhere, you know, six plus hours on foot carrying around your packs. And yeah, that's probably a big day
0: for me. Sounds like quite a big day. <laughs> so Hannah, tell us about um, the process around possum monitoring. Yeah, so um,
1: possum monitoring is basically where there's been a lot of possum control in an area. So we recently did uh, some possum monitoring out in Ore, which is in the Whangaroa harbour. Um, and the local hapu out there have been doing really intensive possum control for the past, you know, good few years and so every year we go out and do the monitoring for them and basically we head out um in the morning on a boat and takes about 15 minutes to get out there and once we're out there they um we're given basically 200 meter lines um and we get about three lines each to do and you have a hip chain that's attached around your waist as well as a um a bum bag that has uh, wax tags in it, and some flagging tape, and a vivid, and um, your hip chain. It has a pedometer, which measures, uh, measures your steps, so you know that you're doing 200 meters exact. And basically, you walk to the start of a line, and in the hip chain, it's got a bit of cotton in it, and you um, tie the cotton off to a tree. You grab your compass and you point in the right direction, and you basically walk straight for uh, 200 meters until you finish a line. And every 20 metres, you're chucking up um, a wax tag, which has got a scent of peanut butter on it. And the idea is that if there's possums in the area, they'll come along and have a little gnaw at it. Um, And there's about 10 lines across that peninsula. And so by the end of it, uh, it gives us a percentage
0: of of how many possums are in that area. And, And are there possums at the moment in that area or is it just making sure they don't come back? Uh, so it was. We had
1: a really good result this time. So we got they got zero percent um, of possums out there, which is probably <gasps> a first in Northland. So that was a huge Whoa. bit of a celebration for us and, and for them. Um,
0: but yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. It was, it's always nice to deliver that kind of news to to hapu. That's great, and you're you're sure that they don't just like not like peanut butter anymore? Oh, I'm pretty sure they like peanut butter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so so tell me about what drew you to conservation.
1: My father worked for um, DOC for about 15 years growing up and so I guess conservation was always a thing that was quite natural for me to be interested in. I remember going to tons of events with him growing up and I just have always I, I was basically I was raised in the bush as a kid um, I'm from Pukati Forest which is now the forest that I work in um, but yeah you know spend our summers in the rivers and and I'm walking around barefoot in the bush and so it kind of just carries with you. And I guess as a teenager, I kind of took a step back. And and then, yeah, in my early 20s, I've rekindled this this love of conservation and just being
0: outdoors. Ah, oh, I mean, what a childhood and what a way to set it off. Yeah, That's yeah. It's incredible. So Hannah, did you study conservation or, or in a field like that?
1: Yeah, so uh, back in 2018 it was, I did a course in environmental management and I loved it. I mean, you know, obviously it's something that I'm interested in, but I struggled a bit in the classroom. I'm quite a hands-on kind of learner. And so I walked in one day and chucked in my CV at the local doc office and just asked for anything, you know, any sort of job that was going. And thankfully there was a summer ranger job. And um, of course they knew dad because a lot of the people that I work with have known me since I was born. So yeah, it, it was just an opportunity there for me to to grab and I jumped at
0: it. Ah, oh, that's so cool. Now, tell me about your Cody dieback work, and we'll start simple. So what is Cody and what is Cody dieback?
1: Yeah, so I guess Cody is probably New Zealand's most iconic tree, at least up here in Northland, we think it is. Um, and uh, its its uh, scientific name is Agathus australis. And uh, then if you turn to uh, Cody dieback, its um, its scientific name is Phytophthora agathidisida, so that Agatha is kind of... Um, you know talking back to its scientific name, um, and Phytophthora is Latin for plant destroyer, so straight to the point, um, yeah, plant destroyer that's what it does, and there's lots of Phytophthoras over around the world, but um, this one just attacks Cody that we know of, um, and yeah, I guess going back to um, Māori's relationship with Cody, it's always been one of those cornerstone species, you know, it was used as waka before uh, settlers came to New Zealand. And then once settlers arrived, of course, there was a whole lot of logging that took place, especially up here in Northland. And we saw a lot of Cody forests really get, um, well, destroyed, I guess. And you can still see those, the remains of those days um, with old logging roads and, and some of the scars on the trees and, and things like that. Um, but Cody dieback itself, uh, basically what it is, is it's uh, a water mold. It's spread through the movement of soil, so it it can be, it's microscopic, you can't see it. Basically, you could be walking through the bush, have a bit of dirt on your foot or in your boot, and that's um, got the disease on it. It comes into contact with Cody roots, and as soon as it does, it releases spores, and these spores basically attack the root system, and it stops the tree's ability of taking um, nutrients from the soil up through the tree. Uh, So basically, it, it sucks the tree dry. That's why it's called dieback. And you'll see, um, uh. yeah, you'll see some of the symptoms, um, bleeding around the base. So it would be in a bit of an upside down U shape, and it will come all the way to the base of the tree. Uh, you'll see a bit of the canopy die back, so the the leaves might start yellowing a little bit, and um, eventually the leaves will drop off, and over time the um, the tree will die. Sadly, and there's no cure for it, which is really sad. I mean there's things happening, you know, trials happening, but um, yeah, basically once a tree's infected, it's, it's it. yeah, pretty sad. And I guess mm-hmm. on that note as well, you know, the term Cody dieback, we don't, we're trying to steer away from using that word because it's got quite a ne- negative, you know, feel about it. And we're trying to change mm-hmm. people's mindset from Cody dieback to Cody protection or Cody order, Cody wellbeing. Um, yeah.
0: Kaitiaki Cody. More mm. of a
1: positive a positive spin, I guess. Mm.
0: And whereabouts is it? Is it just in Northland? Is it further? Basically, um,
1: anywhere where there's kōdi. So the range for kōdi is basically from the Waikato north, and it's found, I mean, you look at the Waitakere ranges, it's found everywhere through there. We've got one known infected site in the middle of Puketi Forest, which is super strange that it's right in the middle and it hasn't been found anywhere else. Yeah, over in Waipoa Forest as well. They've got it pretty bad over there. And it's showing up in, you know, farmlands and, and things like that. I guess, yeah, these trees are so vulnerable, you know. You've got trucks going through or people walking through or cattle or pigs or whatever that can spread this yeah. disease. And, um,
0: yeah, a bit scary. Yeah, very scary. And And it sounds really critical that we can stop it. So what kind of work is happening right now to help manage this problem?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of work, and actually, it's actually quite a busy space, the Cody space. Um, I would say one of the main things that's really awesome that's happening is a lot of advocacy work. So we've got a really awesome Jobs for Nature um, project up here, up here in, in our district called um, Kashiyaki Cody, and they were set up um, specifically for advocacy work. So they're basically getting out there on the tracks, talking with the public, and speaking to marae and speaking to schools. Um, I I think that's the main probably is is all the advocacy stuff. And then, of course, we've got a whole lot of soil sampling. So back in um, 2017 and 2018, they did a survey, an aerial survey of all Cody lands um, in New Zealand and basically picked up a whole lot of trees that are Cody trees that were dead or they looked a little bit sick and they would give us those coordinates and we would walk in with our GPSs and um, soil sample those trees. And so, yeah, from all of that sampling, we got some some
0: good results and some not so good results. So I think what's terrifying about this is that you can't see it. So because it's microscopic, you know, me walking through the bush could unknowingly bring it with me and be affecting different areas. And I'd be devastated if that was the case. So, so we need to see ourselves in the solution, do you think? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean the best thing that we could do is educate people
1: right and um yeah especially if you're if you're showing up to the forest we have this saying that is arrive clean leave clean you know it's as simple as that Mm -hmm. if you're showing up to the bush and you see a hygiene station there just use it it takes five minutes if that or even better clean your stuff at home um Mm. we've just upgraded a whole lot of tracks in our district um to prevent you know people standing on Cody routes and so yeah, I, I guess stick to open tracks. Don't go off the track. Yeah, and I guess the hiding stations are basically a boot cleaning station um, where you you go through and you can have a seat. There's a little seat there. You can sit down and just scrub your boots, um, and it's got a, a sterogene, which is um, a disinfectant, like a hospital-grade disinfectant,
0: and that will actually kill off the spores of the of the disease. So bottom line is arrive clean and leave clean, Um is the most important thing. So so I've never used one of these stations before. I have seen them and I feel like I'm going to lose a foot in them. They've got the big brushes. Can you tell me how to, how to work it? Yeah, so
1: they're pretty straightforward. Um, so if you see a hygiene station, you're coming through, it has instructions. Um, first thing is you'll come across a, a little brush and Basically, you can choose whether you want to take a seat on the hygiene station and use the hand tools or you can use the railing and just steady yourself and use the brush. It's a bit of a rotating brush. And um, the key thing is to make sure you're getting all the dirt off and look. So inspect your shoes, make sure that you do have all the dirt off. And then the next step is there's a bit of a, um, a treadle. It's quite fun. Kids like to jump on it, but please don't because they (laughs) cost a lot of money. Um, And um, basically, this treadle has um, a 2% mix of sterogene uh, with water, and that'll blast up onto your shoes underneath, and it'll basically, I guess it's like an extra layer of protection. But if you've already got clean shoes, going through the hygiene Mm. station should
0: be a breeze. So it, it, while it is a really scary uh, disease, it is something that we can manage through stuff like this, would you say? Yeah,
1: for sure. And I would say the key thing is um, like really making sure that your your equipment is clean. Or Yeah, I say I focused on boots with a hygiene station, but I mean everything, you know, your hiking poles, your tent pegs, your backpacks, um, and, and it's uh, trucks, vehicles. That's a huge thing as well. People oh. love four-wheel driving, but yeah, I guess it's like an old New Zealand thing to just like, oh, let's go four wheel driving in the Hilux, you know, and like the old Barry Crump, um, Toyota adverts. And then they just, you know, <laughs> rep, they wrap it around town. It's super, I mean, you know, I love four wheel driving, don't get me wrong, but it's kind of, um, it's just a risk nowadays, you know, yeah. you just, you never know what's in that soil, but yeah, so all equipment and it's, it's really important when you're moving from forest to forest. Because you could go into an infected forest and not realise and then you're not cleaning your stuff and you take it into a forest that doesn't have any cody dieback and you've just taken it over sure.
0: there. Yeah. So w- would you say that's the most common misconception people have about kodi dieback is that they just don't realise that it's there? Yeah, I'd say I'd say so.
1: That kind of um, lack of education, you know, and mm. I guess it's up to us, um, you know, our government agencies and that have voices that, you know we have all these outlets that we can talk about this kind of stuff and so we need to get that message out there you know that this is this is what's happening and this is this is how it's happening and this is why yeah so you can't fault people for something that they don't know but yeah education
0: yeah definitely and um and do you find that many people that you talk to don't know what it is um
1: i would say in recent years since i've brought it up like among friends or even like I went to physio today and the guy knew what it was. So um, I would say, yeah, (laughs) I'd say in recent years, more and more people have learned about it. But I mean, you know, before I even started working at DOC, none of my friends knew about Cody Dieback. I knew very little about it. And so, yeah, I guess um, with that funding that we've got over the past few years, that message has gotten out there. I mean, I started with my Cody job. I started working on tracks, you know, just as track ambassador, and I would stand there for, you know, hours of the day and just talk to anyone who came along about, about Cody dieback and Cody and, and how important it is that we spread this message.
0: Hannah, I've heard that there is a Cody costume. Could you please describe that to me or, or demonstrate it? Can we put it up on (laughs) on Google later today?
1: (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. The, the classic Cody costume. Um, so basically it's, it's actually really cool. So, um, it's, it's a very tall, long Cody tree and uh, I've taken it around to a few daycares with me and uh, one side has got a healthy-looking Cody and the other side's got a bit of the dieback um, symptoms on it. And so, mm. yeah, it's quite a kind of funny thing. You get like the preschool teachers to dress up in this costume <laughs> and all the kids are, like, you know, running around. And I think there's even like a bird's nest on the top with some fake oh. eggs. The- <laughs> it's just, yeah, oh. it's classic. It's so good.
0: That's such a great way to get them to remember it. Advocacy for the win. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, Hannah, in your summer ranger role or your kaitiaki kodi role, did you have pamphlets? Are you you know waiting for people to walk past? How are you easing mm-hmm. them in to hearing all of this information? Yes,
1: yeah, so I had the works out in the bush. I mean, <laughs> we have this one track, um, and it's just basically like a fifteen-minute boardwalk loop and um cruise buses would come in you know from the cruise ships you'd get like you know 200 plus people a day coming through this walk and so we have this one section of the track where there's Cody surrounding me and um there was a bit of a table uh in the middle of this this um part of it and I would have like pamphlets and posters and I have massive printouts of the disease and basically I would be there to complement the bush so I'd just be able to spark up a conversation with anyone and be like, Hey, you know, here's some Cody trees. And, uh, have you heard of Cody dieback? This is what it is. And, you know, just showing people what it looks like. And, and then you'd get people going around the track and they'd come back and be like, Oh, this, this tree down there has got a bit of bleeding and, you know, "Oh, that one looks a little bit, you know, it's just, they just immediately took it on. As soon as I, um, had these, you know, these pictures and I had merchandise as well, you know, had the old caps with the Cody on it and, um, little tote bags so yeah. Oh, really fun. That's
0: brilliant. What important work as well. Did you did you have a costume?
1: No, I was in the old doc uniform, <laughs> you know?
0: <laughs> no birds nest on top of the head. No. Um, just my hair. <laughs> so, Hannah I've heard that the North and Iwi, Nati Wai and Nati Hine are looking into how whalebone could treat Cody dieback. Is that a conversation that has come up in Hui?
1: Yeah. So a few months ago we actually had a Wananga. Um, it was really a refreshing one. you know, we've, we have a whole lot of meetings all the time about, um, I guess, Western science and, uh, all about, you know, that side of things. And, and we got to find a cure and, and all this. And, uh, we had this one who actually at the, at the hut in Pukati and we had the campfire going and, you know, we just had some Kai and just talked and talked for hours about, um, all the different stories and, and we had hapu that were represented from the whole forest. I mean, there's a lot of hapu that, you know, whakapapa back to Pukate and Omahuta forest. Um, and we had, um, a Komatua that came along talking about some of his mahi that he's been doing with a whalebone and, um, and kanuka, super interesting. Um, and it definitely needs a space to have that conversation, I think. And I mean, mm-hmm. think about all the resourcing that we put to Western science, you know, and um, it was a really interesting conversation about how Māori and Western science are different and that, you know, people should accept that they're different and it's okay that they're different, um, which I think is, you know, it's, it's absolutely true and they both need their own space. So, um, yeah, I'm super interested in it and um, I'm happy to support it, I guess, in my role and my work and and I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes.
0: So why whalebone for Cody?
1: I guess, um, and I'm not 100% confident actually sharing the story. Um, if you ever get up to Tani Mahuta, um, Te Rōrua, they have kaitiaki out on the tracks and they share the story. And it's, it's just beautiful. Yeah, really beautiful kōrero.
0: So Hana, you must have every day as such a great day uh, on the job, but do any stand out for you?
1: Yeah, for sure. I've got a few. I've got about probably three great days that I think about all the time. <laughs> um, so the first one, so the first one was, um, back in 2019. So this is just, yeah, I guess a few months before COVID, uh, for conservation week, we had a evening at Pukati and we called it, um, Nga Tonga Korero or Pukati. And basically we had ourselves and local community groups, conservation community groups, local hapu. We had the scouts because they were, you know, a big part in setting up conservation week. And we had an evening where we basically had a whole lot of um, demo. We had demos of conservation dogs. We had we have this like cutout of a possum on this massive um, sheet of wood and it's got little holes in it with um, some leg hole traps and you've got to throw the tennis balls like – in the traps and really good food um we had a lot of puppets and stuff that kids would make um like bats and everything and we had like a running slide of a whole lot of old logging photos of the forest and we had guided walks with some of the um the really experienced and knowledgeable staff they took out you know families and that through a nature trail and it was just a really awesome night i was super proud of it i think about that all the time um yeah, that was probably a definite highlight for when I first started um, in doc.
0: Oh my gosh, what what an incredible advocacy kind of evening for, for everyone as well. I'm surprised yeah. you could see it whilst you were in the Cody costume
1: though. Uh, I wasn't rocking the costume at night, unfortunately. Alas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, any others that spring to mind? You said you have three. I want to know yeah. another one. Uh, yes,
1: yeah, so another one was um, when we actually helped pull out a walker um, out of Omahuta forest. So there was an old Cody log that had been lying down in state. Um, and her name at the time was Tanifa and, um, uh, a crew went in there, uh, local hapu and started carving it in the forest. And then a few months later, um, we all got together, doc, you know, local hapu, um, and we pulled it out, this walker that you know, we split into three parts and we pulled it out one day and, it was just so nice. I mean, we had like, you know, beautiful karakia in the morning and everyone was laughing and it was, yeah, you'd think it would be super heavy, but for whatever reason, the karakia must have been good because that thing went up the hill pretty fast. And uh. um, yeah, <laughs> and um, now it's it's down um, just below our office, actually, they're, they're um, starting carving and hopefully, hopefully it's ready by next Waitangi Day or some year, sometime uh. around then. But that's oh. a highlight. I mean, yeah. I mean, I pr- I'm probably never ever going to get to do that again in my life. So, yeah, super special. That's
0: so special to have, to have known it from from concept as well. Like right from the start when they brought yeah. it out.
1: Yeah, and it's funny. I've got actually got some photos of my brother and, my, and
0: myself as little kids standing on that log. So, and and that was your hapu as well, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I fuck back to that area and. Um, It was actually a a gift from our hapu to Ngātiri here, which is another
0: hapu on the eastern side. Uh, Yeah, beautiful story. Mm. Hannah, that sounds meaningful on so many different levels. That must have been quite an emotional experience for you.
1: Yeah, I think any time I get to work, you know, wearing multiple hats is a special time. I mean, yeah, I guess it's one thing to be there and working for DOC, but to be there as DOC but also local hapu,
0: I mean, yeah how many people get that opportunity super special and and you've just told me recently that you are only 24 and you are incredibly accomplished for (laughs) being only 24 (laughs) but are are there any days that you can think of where your team made a discovery or you made a discovery
1: yeah uh so when was it back in 2020 um so short-tailed bats they're only found in omahuta forest um and they were found there a long time ago. I think it was in the seventies. This cody fell down, and there was a bat population living in that cody. And so they went in. They're like, "Oh my gosh, there's a whole lot of short-tailed bats in here." And mm. ever since then, I mean, there hasn't been a lot of predator control in Omahuta until recently, uh, because in twenty twenty, uh, the our bio team found a huge uh, bat roost of short-tailed bats in uh, in a rata tree. It's a huge tree, mm. and that was, I mean, I remember the team coming back that day and everyone was just super stoked and excited that, you know, we have all these bats and there's hundreds in this one tree and, and then we kept finding other little roost trees around the area. And, I mean, they can travel so far, you know, up to 20Ks every night. So you can just imagine how much, you know, how much roost trees we were uh. finding. Or, and we still have no idea how widespread they are. So every year we do that monitoring. um, But, yeah, that was huge. That was really huge. And also to take that. Back to the local hapu, and we um, took them out there one day and um, did a bit of a hikoi out to the track, and so many questions and everyone smiling and you know it's just so it's just so awesome,
0: yeah. Oh, isn't it amazing how a native species can bring everyone together as well? It's like such a sense of you know that's so special that tanga. Yeah,
1: for sure. And this, I mean, people don't even know that we have bats. You know, a lot of the time. Um, and they're so tiny and they're only our only mm. mammal, you know, mammal species
0: and super special. And they're pretty different as well mm-hmm. compared to the bats. Yeah. yeah. I love that this doesn't even make it into your kind of weird and funny days at work. So you found all of those bats. So tell me now about some of the weird and funny things that have happened to you and many of your roles. <laughs> Yeah, so,
1: I mean, the, yeah, there's always funny moments and they always happen to be with the public every time. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's this one particular beach on one of the islands and every time I've gone there, something strange has happened. The first time was in summer and um, I, like, walk, I walked around the corner and there was just, like, an entire family just naked, like, lying on the beach, you know, like, just stark as... And I had, like, a bright orange dock. You know, I couldn't just slowly back away and act like I didn't see anything. <laughs> and they all just, like, got off and started running around. I was like, oh, my God. You know, I just had to, like, turn away and quickly. Oh, God. And then around the same area, there's this one guy who's known to people in the office. He just has his yacht and he just walks around, you know, in the nude. Just
0: <laughs> flashing around. Is it around, a like, beach? No.
1: <laughs> no, it's not. It's a public beach, like, on an island that's got a lot of visitors every time, like every year. But it always happens around the same place. Wow. Yeah. I,
0: won- I wonder if there's a website somewhere saying this is where we go. <laughs> yeah, uh, wow, yeah. That took a turn. I didn't expect this to yeah. go. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, there's um, there's a few of those ones, a few of those stories. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> this one time we were out in um, Whangamumu and it wasn't a super busy track that day, but it happened to <laughs> – we were walking down to the beach and – heard this rustling in the bush next to us and we're like what, what was that and so we turn around and, and there's this guy who was you know relieving. Not <laughs> <no>. <laughs> <He> was <laughs> relieving himself in the in the in the bush of the track and he if he didn't move he wouldn't have seen anything um but yeah then we just saw this person running through the bush with toilet paper trailing <laughs> behind him <them. laughs>
0: yeah which is not the no. dark message, by the way. Put no. A low,
1: please. Exactly. And there was a loo at the side of the track that we just put in. I mean, yeah. Ah! <laughs> but these are the things you see. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so, so comparatively or completely flipped, are there moments where you're like, I can't believe this is my job? Not following someone around when they've got toilet paper in their hand, but <laughs> yeah. are, are there other times you can think of that you're like, I get to do this. How cool is this?
1: I think just any time I'm out you know, working outside, I I I remember when I first started and, you know, going to all these new places and it was just like, oh my gosh, you know, you just, some of the views, people pay to come out, you know, to these places and, you know, you get to go out there and you're just, like even just cleaning a hut, you know, at Cape Brett, and you're like, oh, there's the hole in the rock and, oh, there's some seals, there's some penguins and just the views and yeah, I mean, getting to go in the middle of a bush that people don't go into and seeing all these waterfalls and it's just super, super special, all those places.
0: That that is so special and so many of us don't get out to those areas that you see on like a daily basis. That must be incredible. Do you have, Hannah, do you have any favourite places or is it just everywhere that you go? I mean, I'd say everywhere, but
1: um, (laughs) every time we get to work out in the islands is pretty special. Because um, there we have seven pest-free islands out in the bay. So they've got, you know, the bird life is just incredible. And um, in particular, I love Muturua Island. And uh, we get to go, you know, into the all the catchments and stuff to do our trapping and um, tracking cards and everything. And there's just like deafening noises, all the saddlebacks just like right in your ear, you know, oh. shouting alarms. And then you have tui swooping. And there's even like a ruru that comes down and says hello every time. I mean, yeah, oh. you don't you don't get that on the mainland, and yeah, it's it's really awesome to take people out there, and then you're like, you know, we could have this, in you know, on the mainland, and this is what it could sound like one day, hopefully.
0: That's true. I I remember on to Toy, it's just like if you just stand there and just listen, mm. it, you know, that's what we should do if we had all the money in the world. We'd take everyone out there and just stand there and listen and be like, we could have this on the mainland. Predator-free 2050, (laughs) let's do it. Let's do it. Unfortunately, in conservation, it's not always good news all the time, as we know. What has been one of the most disappointing discoveries for you?
1: Yeah, that'll have to be back in 2019. Just before we were um, breaking for summer, we did, you know, all that soil sampling that I was talking about um, from the aerial surveys and we went in to do this one particular site Pukati and it was right in the middle of Pukati and these trees were dead um, but we had sampled so many other trees before that were dead and they came back you know negative and um, we sampled these trees and the results came back the week before we went on break and they came back positive and I guess um, coming mm. from that forest you know having that connection from you know Papa, it was yeah I, I remember hearing that news and I was like oh I just felt like crying, you know, it's, you know, your forest and now it's got this disease and you don't know how far spread it's, you know, in the forest and how did it get into the middle of the forest if it's not on the outskirts. And some of the trees that we sampled had like old gum bleeds because they used to illegally bleed Cody back in the, you know, the 1920s um, for their gum. And so these trees had scars, you know, all across the bottoms and we found this one tree particular up the ridge on the other side and it just had a huge slash you know through it like it'd been soared but then they just kind of gave up Mm. on the tree and so yeah that was I kind of spent like that Christmas New Year's break just thinking about the fact that you know we had these this infected site now in in this forest and then the first week that we came back um, to work we went straight back in to sample it again just in case and and it was it was positive and then having to spread that you know that news of this positive site in this forest to hapu and, and to all the community groups and to contacts you know just around the the country and yeah it it was it was super it was super tough i guess being on the receiving side of the information as hapu but also the one that actually went in and and did, did the sampling and then has to go through the process of you know consulting and yeah mm. So that was really oh, a really bummer of a day
0: <laughs> that's heartbreaking, especially because you're like and you're trying so hard to manage this issue as well, and you're so connected to the this particular place. Mm, um, yeah, we did have a cut um
1: the second time we went to sample it. We had a cut before we you know did any sampling,
0: yeah, so Hannah, just listening to you it, <laughs> It makes me so frustrated that we've treated Cody so badly. You know, in the 1920s, people were bleeding these trees. In the 80s, we only just stopped logging. And now we are um, spreading Cody dieback by not just taking five minutes to to wash our gear before we go into the forest. And then, of course, there's that flow-on effect um, when when Cody are uh, sick and that effect to the entire forest. Yeah, I guess I'm kind of the same. I feel a bit frustrated Um
1: But, yeah, I'm never hopeless. I've always got hope that things will get better or, you know, that people are going to be starting to get more aware or that the forest is always going to be there in some capacity. And I guess, yeah, going back to what you were saying about, um, you know, we've put Cody through a lot, but, you know, it's actually these, these whole forests that have been put through, you know, I mean, plowed, you know, logging roads chucked through. And it wasn't just Cody that was being logged, it was, you know, Rimu and and um, tota you know all these other trees that were getting getting logged but imagine a, a forest without Cody I just I couldn't I couldn't imagine that and so um and I guess Cody in order for Cody to survive we need to look after the forest as a whole because they all hold each other up you know underneath all the roots that you know they are connected and so mm. I guess the forest as a whole we need to look after and and I guess yes, we need to look after Cody and we need to stop the spread of Cody dieback, but we also need to think about the forest as a whole and, you know, talking about pigs and possums and and goats and rats and cats and all that. Um, But yeah, I guess to save one species, you have to think about The whole forest.
0: I love the hope that you have, and and you're absolutely right about you know as we make people more aware, and all those kids with the the preschool teacher dressing up in the Kody costume, (laughs) they're going to grow up to save these forests as well. That's I love that. That's pretty cool. It's so important that uh, we remember you know while there is no cure, we do know how to manage it, and we have been you know successfully managing it at places. Um, so what, what do people need to remember if they're going into the forest in the north? I guess that key message, arrive clean, leave
1: clean, um, that's the main one. Stick to the tracks, stick to open tracks. You know, these tracks have been upgraded for a reason. Um, yeah, don't go off the track as tempting as it is to go and hug the Cody tree. If you can't reach it from the track, just don't go near it. Um, clean your gear, especially if you're going from forest to forest. And spread the message, not the disease. Oh, I that's like that's a good that one, Ian. Eh? It's a good one. That's a.
0: Is it yours? Is it real? I don't. I don't
1: know. Uh, did I hear that?
0: From we someone, should make man? it real. <laughs> yeah. and, and and what's um one thing that you wish everyone listening would tell their friends? I
1: would just say that you know there's this disease called Cody Dyback and it attacks Cody trees and it's really simple to clean your gear and make sure that you clean them before you go
0: into any Cody lands or any Cody forests. And stop spreading the plant destroyer, which is a very cool name, but not a very cool disease. Yeah, exactly. Hannah, this has been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. And I've I've learned so much this episode um, that I didn't know. And I'm going to now go and spread all of the words and none of the disease. Thank you. All good. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Erica Wilkinson, and this has been the Doc Sounds of Science podcast. This show is available wherever you get your podcasts or you can stream it off our website, doc.gov.nz. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and show our hardworking guests some love. Ka kite.